Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to the art of being you. I am so glad to have you listening with me today. And listen, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're staying healthy. And you know, you may not know this, but when I come up with the topics for this podcast, I spend a lot of time in prayer, specifically just asking God to highlight to me what are the topics that, you know, those who are listening to this podcast regularly need to be encouraged by. And I really felt like God was highlighting the area of stress for us for today. So we're diving into stress, what it is, how it affects us, what we can do about it. And I think this is going to be helpful for you. My experience with stress kind of began when I was in college. Not that I wasn't stressed out before that, but my understanding of stress began then. In fact, I had an interesting experience my sophomore year of college where I developed a skin condition called psoriasis and uh, it was plaguing me. It was causing some major issues in my life. If you know anything about psoriasis um, or you've had any kind of skin condition, you know, it can be really, really frustrating. And so I went to a dermatologist and I began to learn about psoriasis and I discovered something that aggravated me so much. And it's this psoriasis is a genetic issue. It's something that you are genetically predisposed to experience, but it enacts or it turns on in the patient's life during an episode of extreme stress, typically between 15 and 25 years old. And when I learned this, I was blown away because that's exactly what happened to me. I was in college. I was running, you know, a million miles an hour. I was involved in every activity I could, and I was very stressed. And then I went through some emotional issues with some relationships that really caused me to just be extremely stressed. And then this psoriasis turned on in my life. And I'm really thankful at this point in my life through the help of my amazing doctor, we've been able to get it all to pretty much go dormant where it doesn't bother me anymore, which is a huge answer to prayer. But at that time it was so aggravating. So I began to try to figure out what even is stress? I mean, what causes stress? I remember around this time in my life, one of my roommates at the time um, was talking to me and I was going over my schedule for the week and, you know, I had packed it so full that almost every hour had something happening in it. And I had so many major projects that I was in charge of with my sorority and church activities and all of that. And I'll never forget my roommate said to me, man, you must be stressed. And I said, no, 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 I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not stressed at all. And she just looked at me with this sort of sobering look in her eyes and said, I don't think you know what stress is. And man, I have thought about that phrase so often over the course of my life. Do I even know what stress is? And the truth is, at that time, I didn't. I think we fall into two different camps when we think about stress. And so I want you to picture it like a diagram, like a line from the left to the right. And on the left side, you have those who experience a little bit of stress and then they go into denial or deflecting mode. So this would be what I was doing. It's almost too stressful to acknowledge the stress. So we pretend that it's not there. 
And then on the whole other side of the spectrum, you have those who overreact. A little bit of stress comes in and all of a sudden they're having intense emotions that are really not warranted for the situation at hand. And then, of course, I'm just talking about little bits of stress. So when you add lots of stress or big life issues, you know, these two categories really become exaggerated. So my first question to you today is which category do you fall in? Or maybe you're somewhere in between. But if you have not spent much time learning your stress management patterns and developing those into your life, then you're probably in one or the other. So first question to think for yourself is, am I someone who feels stressed and then denies and deflects? Is it too stressful to acknowledge the stress? Or am I someone who overreacts and has an almost irrational response to small amounts of stress? The problem with both of these responses is that they actually make the problem bigger. I mean, think about it. So in my case, I'm denying the stress. I'm denying what's going on in my life. And so therefore I'm piling on the, I'm I'm magnifying it. I'm multiplying the intensity of the stress that I feel. For those that overreact, then you're almost making bigger issues because now you have a mess you have to clean up with people in your life, people you live with, people you work with. And, you know, there's an emotional toll that comes from overreacting. So what we're trying to do, especially as believers, as sons and daughters of God is, is, and followers of Christ for that matter, is trying to stay somewhere in the middle where we're recognizing that we have stress but we're also doing something about it. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of stress-induced issues in my life. Um, I think that's a a great indicator that my roommate was 100% correct, that I didn't know what stress was or is, or even when I was stressed. I had conditioned myself to believe that I could handle whatever life would throw at me, and I would just say that's not a bad thing, but I wasn't actually believing that. So there was a disconnection between the head and the heart, so to speak. I've had things like, you know, eye twitches that have gone on for long amounts of time, sleep issues. Of course, I shared with you the skin condition. I've had other stuff that's all really could be pinpointed to levels of stress that are not being handled well. So let's talk medically for a second. Let's just talk about biology and what's happening when you feel stressed. You may be familiar with this idea of fight or flight. And nowadays they've actually expanded that to say fight, flight, or freeze. Essentially, this is the body's physical response to a threat of danger. In my opinion, God created this in us. He created our body to work this way so that we could survive very difficult situations. But we're not always in life-threatening situations these days. I mean, maybe these current days with the COVID-19 shelter-in-place situation going on, uh, we might be. But in general, in the our postmodern American world or, you know, um, first world problem type nations, then we don't really have these, these issues very often. I mean, we don't have lions roaming about our house. We don't have, you know... Um, high stakes, life-threatening situations happening on a regular basis, like maybe our ancestors did a long time ago. But I want to acknowledge for a second what is happening in your body when you face a life-threatening situation. So you have this system, you know, we have the nervous system, the circulation system, um, the endocrine system. You have all these different systems in your body, and one of them is the adrenal system. And stress, specifically chronic stress, has 
it just wreaks havoc on your adrenal system. So your adrenal glands are positioned, I think somewhere right above your kidneys. And this is what happens when you have a stressful, semi-life-threatening or life-threatening situation. You know what that feels like when all of a sudden you are struck with a feeling of panic. When that happens, your body triggers a, a response into the adrenal system. So your fight or flight signals the adrenal glands to release two things. The first one is cortisol and the second one is adrenaline. This is why in a, in a life-threatening situation, your heart begins to pound quickly. I mean, honestly, biologically speaking, this is an incredible thing because what happens is your body begins to prioritize your vital organs and the, the systems in your physical self that can help you survive. For example, blood flow starts happening in a way that makes it easier for you to escape. Um, and, and this is what happens. Cortisol, when it is uh, emitted out of your adrenal system, it starts altering your immune system and it starts suppressing your digestive system. Why? This is so that all of your energy can go to protecting your vital organs and getting you out of the situation you're in. Think running faster than you've ever ran before. Think jumping over something that might be in your way because you are fighting for your life. While we might not be running away from lions and tigers and bears on a semi-regular basis anymore in life, we're absolutely dealing with stressful situations and the body's natural biological response is the same based on whether you are standing in front of a lion that wants to eat you or standing in front of Walmart trying to figure out if you have enough hand sanitizer to make it through this COVID crisis. What your body is doing with the stress that's in your life is actually really important. Now, studies will show, and I encourage you, if you've never looked this up before, spend some time after you listen to this podcast researching the cortisol response, your body's response to extended exposure to cortisol because it's not good. A lot of our autoimmune diseases can actually stem from or begin in the place of being um, having your autoimmune system suppressed from chronic cortisol release because of the high stress environment that you're in. I love this quote. It says, when stressors are always present and you constantly feel under attack, that fight or flight reaction stays turned on. So... What does this mean in our life, in our daily life? When you are constantly feeling stressed out, it could be a fear of health. It could be a fear of finances. It could be, you know, very real situations that we're all dealing with right now. But when we don't know how to handle that stress, that cortisol stays turned on and it wreaks havoc on your body. So this is why it's so important for us to figure out how we respond when we're stressed, and then what we can do to interrupt that. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk spiritually just for a second about what you can do about stress. So is being stressed out a sin? My personal opinion is no, it's not a sin because it's often a response that we almost don't have control of. It's almost like an involuntary response to what we are thinking, perceiving, or believing. But what I want to challenge you on is there is a place of freedom for you. There is a place of breakthrough for you where you can actually live in the realm of peace that can bring those stress levels that you feel into right alignment so that you're not living in that panic, fight or flight sage all your life. 
Well, you know, in other words, you can choose when to come out of that. Our body is designed to have that adrenaline rush, have that cortisol release, and then come out from underneath that when we get into safety. But for a lot of us, that emotional safety is hard to find right now. And that's where I want us to hone in on. I listened to this teaching, I don't know, in probably 2012, 2013. So it was a long time ago. And um, it was talking about the seat of rest. And I have never forgotten this imagery because essentially what the pastor was saying, the preacher was saying, was that there's a throne inside of your heart that we are, you know, we all have. And the idea is that Jesus is sitting on that throne. But for a lot of us, Jesus is our savior. And we might even decide from time to time to let him be our Lord, but he's not always actively sitting in the place of our throne of our heart. Think about it like this, the battle that we have between our flesh and our spirit, right? So we've talked about this before on the podcast where our flesh is the part that wants to do its own will. It doesn't want to follow the will of God. So when we are walking in the spirit, things go well for us. It's easy to follow Jesus. But then we have this wrestle inside where the flesh wants to take over. That is is the imagery of, if we're going back to this throne example, of having a throne in your heart and you're trying to decide, are you going to sit on it or is Jesus going to sit on it? And the ideal scenario is that Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart and you are in him. So in other words, you have abdicated your throne to the Lordship of Jesus. You have said, Lord, I cannot do this. I cannot live this life as good as you can. You you do this so much better than I do. So I'm going to let you sit in my throne and I'm going to sit in you and I'm going to let you direct my life. When we do this, we begin to experience what happens in Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. This is the story of Jesus being on the boat and there's this massive raging storm all around him and he's like asleep on a back cushion. He's just passed out, taking a nap, totally unconcerned about the threat of death that they're facing right then. And the disciples are annoyed. They're offended by Jesus's, you know, or at least what they perceive to be his lack of concern for their safety. But Jesus is exhibiting something to us that is really important, I believe, in this moment in time more than ever. That when God is in control of your life, notice that I didn't say God is in control of your life, but when God is in control of your life, we'll talk about more on that in a second, he and his will become the baseline to tell you how to feel about your life. So I don't have time to dive fully into it. If you've read my book, I actually talk about this quite a bit um, on in there. But, you know, God is not really in control unless we allow him and ask him to be in control. God allows you to have free will even to your own detriment. So when God is in control of your life, meaning you have said, I want you to be on the throne of my heart then we let that understanding become the baseline to dictate how we feel. So what does this mean? In Matthew chapter six, Jesus is telling the disciples, this is the Lord's prayer, right? And he tells them to pray this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's interesting because it echoes 
what God did for the Israelites when they were coming out of Egypt. They came out of this exodus and because of their groaning and complaining and their inability to submit to God's leadership, they were wandering in the desert for 40 years. And the food source for them was this daily bread called manna. It would appear like dew on the grass and they would gather up enough to eat for the day. This manna had all the nutrients that you needed to have a healthy diet. I mean, it was like, you know, the the mega vitamin in, in a little cracker form and they would eat it and they were not allowed to store it. And an interesting thing, a phenomenon really happened. And it's in this text in the Old Testament where if they stored it and they tried to hoard more bread than they could eat in that day. What are they doing by that? They're trying to not have to go out every single day and gather it, right? They want to be able to wake up on a Saturday morning and eat the leftovers. And Jesus, excuse me, God was saying, you can't do that. In fact, the manna would spoil and they wouldn't be able to eat it. It had this sort of, you know, proverbial expiration date on it. God was saying, I have given you this daily bread and you have to come out and gather it and eat it every single day. Fast forward a couple thousand years and you've got Jesus telling his disciples, this is how you pray. Give us this day our daily bread. What is the theme that's being echoed here? It's God saying to you and I, you cannot hoard today. You cannot assume what mercy will be available for you tomorrow and try to stockpile it today. You cannot assume what faith you might need tomorrow and try to store it up and save some today. All you can focus on is your day today. It's interesting because just a few verses later, Jesus makes this astounding and quite frankly offensive statement about the birds of the air not caring about what they're going to eat or, you know, the grass, the fields not caring about, you know, what they look like or what they're going to wear. He's using all these natural examples about how nature doesn't care about superficial things and nature doesn't worry. And Jesus says to you and I, do not worry. Don't worry. I mean, is this just like a fortune cookie? No, this is actually a command. Why? Because worry and stress are lovers. Worry and stress, they feed off of each other. When we allow ourselves to worry, stress is birthed. It's a byproduct. They're like magnets. They draw each other together. And why is stress bad for you? Well, we spent the first part of this podcast talking about the difficulties on your on your physical body. There's also a lot of difficulty on your soul and on your spirit. When we focus on being stressed, on wringing our hands, on being concerned about the the practical needs of life, not that they don't matter, but when we overemphasize them, then we end up creating a bigger problem for ourselves. So... Ephesians 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 6 says that we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. So that means that you right now, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are seated with him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if we're already seated with him, but we also need to come to him to get rest, are you tracking with me? This is why... There's a battle over our throne in our heart sometimes. We have to actively come out of the place of worry, come out of the place of stress, and move into the place of recognizing that we are seated with him so that we can bring those stress levels down. 
It's my personal conviction that one of the reasons why we stress is because we don't truly believe that God is with us, or maybe another way to say that would be, we don't truly believe that God is going to move on our behalf. See, this goes back to the daily bread thing, right? When we're thinking about tomorrow's struggle, like if you have enough money in your bank account today to pay for food, to pay for your electricity, you know, you can make it today, but you might not make it next week then the worry that you extend about what's going to happen next week is causing stress, but that is tomorrow's daily bread, not today's. So, you know, God promises to provide for us. He doesn't always promise that he's going to provide in a way that is like, you know, Beverly Hills style, but he does promise that he will provide. And so when we take our eyes off of what we want our provision to be, and we put our eyes onto Jesus, then we can come to this place of saying, I'm not going to allow myself to stress and worry over tomorrow's daily bread because I might not be eating filet mignon, but there will be food for me. I might not be able to have, you know, the drink that I want with my dinner, but there will be water available. And I believe this is in this season of life right now, this is what we have to do. We have to develop pathways in our mind, neuropathways, practices, and habits that teach us what to do when we begin to feel stressed because stress leads to all kinds of things that aren't helpful. My biggest challenge to you, if you're on the side of the pendulum like I have been, is don't just deflect and pretend like you're not stressed. Be willing to examine it. Be willing to look and see What is it about this that's stressing me out? What is it that I feel like I can't control and therefore I feel helpless? What is it about this situation that makes me feel like it's never going to change and therefore I feel apathetic or I feel despair? You know, everything is connected in our emotional state. And a lot of it, it's happening on a subconscious level. So I just want to challenge you. My second, it's not really a question. It's more of a challenge. Make some time with Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit, would you highlight to me, what are the places of stress that I'm experiencing? And then what do you want me to do about it? Sometimes the answer will be as simple as, I want you to trust me. Okay, God, I trust you, but I'm still worrying. And God says, no, I want you to really trust me. Think about it this way. If your feeling of security is only found when your bank account is full, something is wrong. When your feeling of security is only found when when you believe that you know the answer, something is wrong. Because we should be able, as God's kids, to feel secure because we're in his presence. To feel secure because we believe he is with us and he's not going to leave. We feel secure because we believe somehow, although it might be hidden to us right now, he's going to work this out for our good because we're in him, because we're his, because he cares about us, because he has promised to not leave us, to not forsake us. So I just encourage you, take some time to kind of process that and think that through. And I just feel like today I want to pray over you and uh, and we'll wrap this up in a prayer. 
Father, I am asking for every person that's listening to have a revelation of what you're doing in the stressful areas of their life. And Lord, I'm asking right now for those who have been dealing with chronic stress, with just, you know, life patterns that have needed to be interrupted by your presence. Lord, we're asking for their adrenaline levels and their cortisol levels to be restored to homeostasis to the right place. Lord, we are asking that they would be able to hear your voice and see your leading in their life. And Lord, I pray right now over every person listening to be filled with hope and a faith to believe that you are with them and somehow you are going to work this situation out for their good. Lord, I'm asking that in the place of stress and in the place of worry, you would cause an exchange and you would give back to us peace that surpasses all understanding. We don't have to know how you're going to figure it out, but we can rest in the trust that you will. So Lord, I just release that over my friends today in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. Catch us next week and until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.